in the morning when you need the news that matters most. They can kiss my f***ing ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother editorials. On the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My f***ing ass. With Graney and Bischoff. Rip them mother Rip them touching suckers like the f***ing players. Chet Holmgren at 23 uh, points. You love this. Seven rebounds, six blocks, and four assists in his summer league debut, all in just 24 minutes. There's a Utah summer league, by the way. That's where he's playing at. Chet Holmgren, are you ready for him to be a superstar, Ed? Chet Holmgren's here. Okay, he's kind of a louse. He couldn't get 10 rebounds for the double-double. Utah started the game. I watched them have it one of 66 from the field. They were <laughs> terrible. I don't know who's on that team. They were awful. I had the new coach there, a 34-year-old. He was probably looking out there saying, I can't take any of these guys. But Holmgren looked good. Hit a couple threes when I was watching. Um, kind of turned away from it. Had to get back to the Netflix uh, shows. But uh, he looked pretty good. My guy Paolo hasn't – I don't think he's played yet. No, I don't, I don't think, think they. Either. I don't think they played yet. So our, our debate on which one was the better pick uh, – Chet's got the early lead. Oh, and I'm ready for overreactions to summer league in July. <laughs> I still, I listen. I still think Chet Holmgren has the highest superstar potential. That if any of the players in this draft turn out to be, hey, he's one of the top five guys in the league. I think it's that guy. It's that seven foot guy that nine. What did he hit? Like four threes yesterday. I saw and two of them. Six shots. Like. That's ridiculous, right, to have those kind of numbers. Yes, Summer League. Yes, Utah Summer League team probably sucks. But, like, that is a ridiculous skill set that he has. And one Summer League game in, I'm I'm still all on board Chet Holmgren you're, being the best player. You're a Holmgren draft. guy, obviously. So what would hold him back? Like Never, never gaining any weight. Yeah. Like, that, like that's going to be the big thing. If he stays at, like, the size he is – He's probably not going to be good enough. Like what Kevin Durant is, is so rare to be as skinny as Kevin Durant was coming out. Cause Kevin Durant hasn't exactly put on a ton of weight. Like he's not exactly big for an NBA player, but if Chet Holmgren can, can put on some weight, I think he's going to be a good NBA player. If he ends up being a legitimate 38 plus percent three point shooter that can block shots. Like, like he was blocking jump shots yesterday. He wasn't just blocking shots at the rim. He was blocking guys shooting jump shots. He could be really, really good. Uh, you know, I can't tell you that. Max Scherzer returned from the IL yesterday, <sighs> went six innings against the Reds, struck out 11, only allowed two hits. I think the Reds actually won that game. They won 1-0. One, uh, won nothing. But uh, Scherzer was good in his return. Who's the best team in the NL, the Mets or the Dodgers? Healthy Scherzer and DeGrom, the Mets. In a series, in a seven-game series, if you can get, you know, two starts out of one of them and one start out of the other. And I'm not just saying that because I am have to be a negative guy on my team. If, <laughs> if it's DeGrom, if DeGrom's totally healthy and Scherzer's totally healthy, I think they're a better team. I just think those two dudes, I think those guys completely healthy can win a World Series. If they're at the top, if they're at the top of the rotation, you start one after the other and like, I mean, a short series, forget about it if they're healthy, but a long series... I still think you know you you if you I mean could you get in long series I'm trying to think you get you get two starts out of one maybe one could throw the other maybe one could throw in in game seven um, you could get two starts out of both of them so I mean it's just I mean I'm sorry I think that I think that would be the best team if they're healthy that's a big if 
Yeah, and I think that's the good news for you is both of these guys being healthy for an entire postseason, unlikely. Um, also, I'll tell you this. I think the Dodgers are better. Even with Scherzer and DeGrom. Yeah, I think the Dodgers are better. Yeah, you don't have the big-name pitchers maybe right now, but like, I think the Dodgers are better. I think they're just a better team top to bottom. I don't think the Mets are going to win the World Series or even the National League this year. Saw my guy Chris Taylor. Oh, he's hurt, isn't he? Broken foot. Oh, man. Not good. Just, it, too just, many what, injuries. What, too many injuries. One after the other with this team. One after the good, other. Good thing but, you got some guy named Trace Thompson hitting home <laughs> runs for you. Who the hell is that? Uh, he came up for the minors, hit a three-run homer the other night to win the game. Loved that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm I worried about the injuries. Uh, I'm hoping they can uh, finish in the wild card. Daddy had a breakaway. They're going to win the division. Listen to you. You're the worst. (laughs) Marc-Andre Fleury could re-sign in Minnesota, according to Pierre Lebrun. He could join the Maple Leafs or the Avalanche this offseason. Is Marc-Andre Fleury really going to be in that high demand this offseason? At that age? By the way, sidebar, uh, Trace Thompson, Clay's brother. Uh, Oh, really? yeah, Yeah. Um, oh. Mark Andre Fleury uh, is at that age. Is he not not I tell you what he's not going to be in that demand at seven million dollars. I can't that's believe he's going to be that that demand at that kind of money. If okay, that that's a good point. If Mark Andre Fleury is going to sign for two million dollars a year, every team in the league should want him. The Golden Knights should go re-sign him, right? But he made $7 million last year. He's going to be 38 for this upcoming season. So I can't imagine he's going to get another $7 million contract. But if he's making four or five, like, he wasn't, he was, he was about a, a slightly right. above average league goalie last year, right? He wasn't anything amazing, but he, it's not like he was bad. But like, I just can't imagine teams tripping over themselves to give 38 year old Marc Andre Fleury a $5 million contract. If it's $2 million, absolutely, everybody should want that guy. But if it's five, I just can't imagine the Avalanche and Maple Leafs being like, "Yep, we got to give that guy five million. That's what we need for next year." Avalanche meeting with Sackick meeting with um, Kemper's uh, agent today. You get one for one year, Kemper. Oh, um, and you can one you, year. I mean, you give him, you you pay him what they're. I guess, I mean, you pay him for what the market bears on either of them. But you get one year next year. You get Flurry or Kemper. Oh, I think I'm going to go Kemper was really good last year. I, I think I got to go Kemper just because of okay. how good he was last year, even though like Flurry's had the better overall career, but probably Kemper just because he was great. Yeah. And I think he's like five years younger. He's, than he's a lot too. younger than him. I would go Kemper as well. I, uh, what was the question again? I'm sorry. I just got this. <laughs> the G League Ignite are moving to Henderson. This is the G League team that is not affiliated with an NBA team. This is the G League team that exists solely to just like have guys play in the G League without being affiliated with an NBA team. They're going to play at the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson. Are you? Are, do you have any interest in a G League team being here? I mean, I guess I have interest if there's local kids, right? What if one of the one of uh, Donovan Williams or Bryce ends up on that team? I guess I'd go see them and write about them. If there's no local angle, I don't think I'd have any interest. I mean, yeah. isn't Ignite, they had uh, Jaden Hardy, they had a couple first-round draft picks, right? That was the team that had, you know, uh, yes. several draft picks, this, you know, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, they were they were the team that when the G League came out and was like, hey, 
what was it, $500,000. We'll pay. We've got so many spots we can give out for $500,000 for high school kids that don't want to go to college. They played for the Ignite. So, yeah, you could end up having some high schoolers that are going the G League route, though I assume that'll be a lot less with NIL deals now. But you could have some high schoolers going the G League route that play for this team. But I just I don't know what the interest is actually going to be for a G League team. I mean, every time I've seen a G League game on TV, there's seven people in the crowd. Yeah. So I don't expect this will actually be that big of a deal. And the other thing, I've seen a handful of people on Twitter that are being like, you know what's next? I don't think this means anything for the NBA coming to Las Vegas. I don't Why think it has would any it? implication. What does it have to do with it? They're not even affiliated with a team. Yeah, I I cannot imagine this actually matters for the NBA coming to Vegas. They don't need to see a G League team in Henderson draw 2,500 people to be like, oh, Las Vegas, that may no. or may not work. And by the way, Henderson, the minor league Load sports up. capital of the world. Loading up. They got indoor football, the AHL, the, G, the G League, League is coming. It's too bad that uh, the lacrosse team is going to play at Mandalay Bay, but that could be another one if they eventually get them. Like They are loading up on all of the minor league sports. Next question. Steph Curry's jersey from game one was auctioned off for $203,000. Game one of this year's <laughs> NBA Finals. People Why? with way too much money, man. They're just just people with way too much money. They don't know what to do with their money. So they go and buy things like this for that much money. $203,000? And they'll put, for... they'll put it in a glass case, I would imagine, for that much money. They'll put it in a glass case and put it on their wall in their office and man. have it as a conversation piece. You know how much I paid for that? Man, I, that is such a ridiculous amount of money for something that doesn't even seem like that good. Like, No. Is it signed? No, I don't think so. From what I read, oh, it was man. not signed. Oh. Uh, I just, I don't know. Like, that seems a, such a bizarre number for, hey, he wore this in game one of the fourth NBA championship. He, well, I, don't, I don't know. It seems like a yeah. crazy high number. Like, what are people doing with their money? It seems like people have too much money. I don't want to hope or think about anything. I just want to go day by day and, and be back when I can. Whenever I feel healthy, whenever that is, to be able to help this team win. You know, if we're in it, if we're out of it, I'm going to come back and play no matter what, just so I know that I can go out there and play the game. I want to get back just like everybody knows I want to play. I want to be out there with my teammates and grinding each day. That was Bryce Harper saying that he is going to come back this season. The Philadelphia Phillies are actually in a wild card spot. They're tied with St. Louis. For the final wild card spot in the National League right now, um, Bryce Harper come back. Phillies make the postseason. You keep the manager's job. Tell you that yeah, might help. Might be helpful there. I think he comes um, back. I think. I think. I think he comes back. What is it? He had a couple pins in there. Um, here's the thing, though. He said, like, even if they're out of it, he'd come back. I don't know if the Phillies would want that to happen. If they fade. And they have no chance. They have no chance to make the playoffs. And it was a you know it was a bad break on on the on his thumb. I don't know if you come back at that point. Now, if he's ready to go and they're one game out of the wild card spot or holding onto wild card spot, then I think he plays. Yeah, I would imagine if he's able to come back in whatever September. I don't know when it. And would they're be. still in it. Right, that he would be coming back, and that would be the big boost to Philly. Although Philly's like five and two since he got hurt or something like that. Like they don't need this Bryce Harper guy. No. He's no good. Who needs Bryce Harper? But uh, yeah, the, see, I will say 
expanding the playoffs in baseball, the Philadelphia Phillies are exactly the team it was expanded for. Right. Right. They are. They probably would not be catching Atlanta or San Diego over the course of the rest of the season. But with an extra wild card spot, they've got a legitimate shot to be a postseason. Boy, team. a lot and of right teams now, in the playoffs, right? Yeah. It, I mean, it. It's. You know, we're up to six for each league, and right now it'd be L.A. New York and Milwaukee winning the National League divisions, Atlanta, San Diego as the first two wild cards, and then Philly and St. Louis are oh, tied at the moment for the third wild Tough one for spot. the Dodgers to open up against the Cardinals. Are you worried about that? Well, no, you'd get, let's see, right now, they get the, the third, Dodgers they'd are get in, the third wild card, wouldn't they? No, no, they, they get a bye because they're six. So the Brewers would play the Phillies right now, and the Dodgers would get the winner of that series. Brewers no, 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 I'm no, wrong. I'm wrong. No. I'm wrong. I'm giving you the wrong. The The Dodgers would get the winner of Atlanta-San Diego. Oh, man. It's a tough one, Tyler. And, Don't tell me that. Braves are playing out Mets of their would, minds, and the Dodgers are beating the Padres 14 out of 16. You know that's going to change. And the Mets would get the winner of Milwaukee-Philly at the moment. But, yes, right now the Dodgers would get the winner of Atlanta-San Diego. Great question. Thank you. Bryce Hamilton scored nine points in 21 minutes for the Heat in their summer league debut. There's, by the way, there's a California one and a Utah one. Yeah. Before, before Las they Vegas. get to Vegas. Yeah. But Hamilton, he uh, took six shots yesterday, made four of them to get to his nine points. He played the sixth most minutes for Miami's summer league team. I'm curious to see how his minute usage is throughout summer league. Will he get more than 21 minutes That's here the key. or there throughout? Because. If he does, he's probably going to perform pretty well if they give him the opportunity to shoot and have the ball in his hands and might be able to sneak his way onto a roster somewhere in the NBA. But if he's only playing 14 minutes a night or something or doesn't have the ball in his hands, he can't really be of much value, and he probably won't make an NBA roster. If he played like he played yesterday, which was you know under control and four or six in the field, 21 minutes, if he kept playing that way, I think he'd have an outside chance to get invited to the camp. Yeah, and that's I what think you he want. Would you got to get invited to camp. Yeah, I, I think he, I think he would too. It's just we'll see how many minutes does he get throughout the rest of summer league. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into some Raiders because what are they, what happened to Indama and Sue? Coming up later in the show, we've got tickets to give away. Uh, tickets to go see the Black Keys this weekend. Also, tickets to the summer league. So stay tuned for that. Now, I got a question for you, Ed. Uh, what happened to Adama and Sue signing with the Raiders? I think what we said when this was going on is uh, Sue had little interest and wanted to put his name out there and see who bit. I, I think there's a lot of truth with this because he was the one talking about the Raiders. He was asked about them. He was the one pushing the Raiders on social media. I'm not so sure how much interest they had in him in that terms of he had in them. I think that is exactly what happened here. And nobody, including the Raiders, is apparently that interested in, in Dominican Sue. So as exciting as it was for that 48 hours, uh, nothing was actually going on there to get in Dominican Sue as a Raider. So big picture question for the Raiders this offseason, whether it's in Dominican Sue or something else. They got $21 million in cap space. At the moment, the fifth most cap space in the NFL. What are they going to do with it? Find an offensive lineman? <laughs> are there think. any still out there? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> there there are. There are still offensive linemen. I don't know how good they'd be for them right now, but there I mean, there are still some... Like there's an Indomitian Sioux for your defensive line. There are offensive linemen out there. 
Yeah, I mean, you got to. I think, I think you should spend it somewhere. I mean, you, that much cap space, you got to spend it. Why? Well, I mean, if like you said here, if they're all in and they're ready to win this thing in three years, don't you want as many players as you can get in terms of how you think they're going to be good for you? That would be my thought process, and especially with guys that you would be signing in July or August, you're going to be signing them to one-year deals. Like you're not going to be committing yourself to any sort of long-term salary cap situation. So if they've got 21 million in cap space, I, I think it would be a massive mistake to not spend most, if not all of that on one-year deals for this season. And 21 million for guys that are still left is probably a lot of money. I mean, how much are these guys signing for at this point? Five or $6 million at the most. Right. Can you go sign four new offensive linemen? Hell, we might be talking about the Super Bowl if they sign four <laughs> new offensive linemen. Who are any good. We, yeah, we might be excited about it. So like the the so here's the thing. If you look at the wide receiver group, Odell Beckham, who's obviously coming off an ACL tour in the Super Bowl, he's still a free agent. But so is like Julio Jones. Like there are names that are out there that you could go sign at a lot of different positions. And if you're the Raiders, not that you need Julio Jones, but like there are guys you can go sign for four or five million dollars and make this team better. And I'm curious, are they in a hey, let's get to camp and see what we have and see what we need situation before they sign somebody else? Uh yeah, I think they are. I think a lot of that has to do with what you just said. And they've got to get into some games maybe to see what they have. And maybe a couple preseason games in, they look at certain positions and say, boy, we're not as good as we thought we were, especially on the offensive line. I still think they believe offensive linemen uh, are better than they are. I still think they think they can coach them up, and I'm not so sure they can. We saw what happened last year. <laughs> so I, 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 I think that, though. Why haven't they made a move yet on the offensive line if they don't think they're as good as anyone else? Yeah, I it doesn't make a lot of sense unless they think they're just going to coach them better than everybody else has in the past. Like that's, that's gotta be the logic there. And I don't know how, I don't know how realistic that is. Like Tom Cable considered a good offensive line coach was the offensive line coach for the Raiders the last few years. And I I don't know if it's it, it, to me, it doesn't sound smart to say, Oh, we're going to be much better than Tom Cable was at coaching up some of these offensive linemen. That seems kind of foolish because that's implying that you're just a Because the other part, as we say a lot about this offensive line, being better means they go from like 27th, 8th best offensive line to 22nd. Right. What they right. really need is the offensive line to be like the 14th best offensive right. line, which would be a Huge massive jump. improvement. And would make, like, Tom Cable would look like a terrible coach if the Raiders have, like, the 14th best offensive line this year. And I just, I don't know how realistic that is if you are the Raiders this year to think, oh, yeah, we'll just coach this offensive lineup. Do you agree uh, with the Raiders having the 21st best roster in the NFL, like ESPN said? Um, Isn't that a bummer? 21st best, ESPN ranked all the rosters. Only the 12th best in the AFC. Um. It feels low, but I don't know that you can dispute it that much. Like, I mean, where where is the Raiders' roster good? They have Max Crosby and Chandler Jones as edge rushers. They've got three good pass catchers and an above-average quarterback. Outside of that, they've got a really bad offensive line. They've probably got bad linebackers, and they've probably got a bad secondary. Like, the rest of the roster 
The problem for the Raiders is they've got the wide receivers and the defensive ends that you could say, oh, there's the star power, but they don't really have average very many other places on the roster. They've got bad a lot of other places on the roster, and I think that's the issue when you look at them is, oh, where should they rank? Well, they've got some high-end players, but they don't really have the middle of the roster to fill that out and make those high-end players stand up. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I was a little disappointed with the 12th best roster, uh, and the 21st best roster in the NFL can that I don't think that can win the AFC West to tell you the truth and I still think most people um, people hate to hear this in terms of the Raider fans out there I think you and I are picking them fourth in the West I'm picking them third okay behind it ahead of Denver yeah Denver Denver's gonna suck all right I, I'll pick them fourth <laughs> I'll pick uh, them fourth yes uh, but I, I'm, I don't know if you, I don't know if I'm picking the the Chiefs first Oh, you're going Chargers. I might go first? Chargers. I might go Chargers wow, first. Look at you. Um, I uh, by the way, the Broncos are 14th best roster according to best ESPN's. roster overall. Yeah, or in the AFC roster overall, 14th best wow. overall. Uh, Kansas City is ninth, and the Chargers come in. This is going to be good for your surprise pick if Seventh. you go that way. Oh, not the Chargers are third. Whoa. So they're obviously they're obviously what. Second in the AFC behind, what, Buffalo? Buffalo one, uh, Tampa two, Chargers three. I didn't know if they were, I didn't know they were going to be that high. <laughs> I'm, I'm liking my pick now. You better like your pick now, yeah. They are uh, very, opt- a lot of people optimistic on the Chargers this year, which I think is fair given their young quarterback and overall roster. But it, for whatever reason, there's the part of the Chargers that make you feel like, yeah, of course people think they're good. They're not going to win anything. Well, isn't that every year they kind of tease right. you? They tease right. you with every year, and they're they're always supposed to be great, and this was the year, and uh, they're going to go to the playoffs. They're going to challenge for the Super Bowl. Danny's a green uh, as he looks at WNB odds. Uh, but, yeah, I think that, that that's normal for the Chargers to be the ones that you know are kind of the sexy pick, and then they never come to fruition. What are the Aces favored by tonight, Danny? Uh, when I just looked during our last break, <laughs> they're uh... – they're at minus 11. They were at minus 10 when the show started, so it's moving right. in their direction. All right. You track, are you betting on this? What are you tracking these lines for? Uh, because I am. What do you mean? I'm thinking <laughs> about putting in a three-leg parlay with the games today, <laughs> and uh, I want to take Chicago Sky, and it's moving in my favor because the Minnesota Lynx are slowly becoming uh, – they're, they're heading towards becoming the favorites. Look at you. Look at Danny tracking WNBA odds. He was doing it this morning at 645. He was mad that the skyline hadn't moved at 645 a.m. <laughs> uh, yeah, right when the show started, the sky were favored by three and a half. It's now down to two. Oh, look at that. What are you waiting to pull the trigger on? See if I can get them uh, cl- uh, close to being an underdog. Oh, wow. You think it'll move that much in one day? Uh, I mean, it moved a point and a half in just an hour, so right. we got an hour and a half until tip-off. <laughs> what, they start at 10? Yeah, it's a 10, 10 a.m. start, and then the second game is at 5, and then the Aces play at 7. All right. Danny, our WNBA betting. <laughs> yes, exactly. Coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. Good morning, Jason. Hey, All right. Um, 
Take us through here. What's it like being the, what are you, sideline reporter for the hot dog eating contest on July 4th? Well, it's wild and chaotic. This third year in a row, I've been the sideline reporter. And, uh, you know, true story, last year after I did the sideline reporting gig, one of the bosses at ESPN for college football actually emailed me and said, hey, you've got a knack for this thing. If you want to be part of the college football sideline reporting gig, you should, uh, you should let somebody know. Like, so people watch this thing, right? So I put all this pressure on myself. This year, it's corner surf and Stillwell, 35,000 people strong. It was a damn zoo. And I mean, like, <laughs> I, there were so many. How many reps does it take to look at one plate of hot dogs? But there were so many reps wearing, like, the referee shirts, and I kept getting pushed around in the splash zone. There was an eater, and forgive me, I can't think of his name uh, on this station, which is terrible because he's from Vegas, that almost upchucked everything. So I thought I was about to get puked on in the middle of it. Like, <laughs> it was a frightening experience, but I loved every second of it. Why? We asked this earlier in the week. He wins by 20. Uh, he wins by 20 again. And, you know, I know you've, you know, you've covered him and, and, and watched it live. But when you consider some of these other eaters, number two in the world, number three in the world, they obviously are very good at what they do. Why is he so dominant at this 15 years later? So I'm going to tell you two things here. One, Jeffrey Esper, the number two eater in the world. I think I made him a little angry the day before because I asked him in our production meeting, why do you even do that? When you know you're going to lose by 20, what's your motivation for showing up? <laughs> and, he, you know, that, this is where all of them come in and say it's about personal records. It's about doing your best. Uh, Nick Weary, who is, I think, the fourth-rated men's eater, said, you know, you never know when he's going to have an off day and I just want to win a championship. But the thing that they'll all tell you is that Joey Chestnut is the only person in the country that is a professional, full-time major league eater. And if you really injected truth serum in everybody, they would tell you that that makes a huge difference. Like, Joey spends – he wakes up every day figures out what training he's going to do that day, what he's going to eat to practice, what exercises he's going to do, where is Esper, the number two eater. He's a teacher. So, you know, he, he spends all day at school. And then if he has parent-teacher conferences, he may not be able to train some nights. So a lot of them genuinely believe that the advantage that Joey always has is that he has no other job. He makes his living simply eating massive amounts of food quantity all year long, which makes him a better prepared athlete. One of the eaters told me, he said, Imagine if one guy in a boxing match had prepared all year for it and the other guy had prepared as a part-time job. Who's going to win that fight? I think it's a fair argument. Can you imagine your, like, middle school teacher being a professional eater, like being in this contest, being on TV, scarfing down 30 or 40 hot dogs? And the weirdest part about that is Esper's super quiet. So I asked him if the kids are really into it, and he's like, no, not really. I mean, they know about it, but they don't really talk about it too much. I'm like, man, you are missing an opportunity. I would be walking in front of those kids from day one and being like, I can out-eat anything. Also, Esper holds the record for pizza, I guess. He keeps beating everybody at pizza. So I asked him, I was like, is that like a party trick, a pizza day for your kids? Like, do you house a whole pizza just to show off? Dude's in, like, fantastic shape, and he's like, no. He said, I only eat these things when I have to eat these things the rest of the year. I try and take the best care of myself possible simply so that I make sure that I'm not doing damage to my body. The number of these eaters that are lean and mean is really staggering. Joey, no, but everybody else, yes. <laughs> I was, I was going to say that you don't see a ton of, you know, 300-pounders in this thing. Yeah, no, they're working out all year. In fact, Joey told – and, you know, I wrote a piece for the dot-com saying hammer the over, uh, and I wrote that on Thursday. On Friday, of course, we find out that Joey's dealing with a leg injury – and the, the day of the actual competition, I saw him in the lobby of the hotel. Uh, we did our production meeting then. It was about 6 in the morning. 
he had like the the pain sweats, you know, when you realize like everything hurts and it's just sweating out of you because his leg was in such bad shape. And that's when he told me too. He's like, look, I've been able to do any cardio for months because he not only broke his ankle through the bone, a compound fracture, and put screws in. They did two surgeries, they had infections, and now he's ripped a tendon. So he hasn't been on a treadmill in any capacity in months. He's like, one of the things I work hardest on is some level of cardio. He's like, I'm going to get winded in this contest, and I wonder what that will do to my final numbers. We saw the answer to that. So I, I don't think he would have set the record even if he was in perfect shape, but it definitely impacted, which is wild to say. You're telling me that this guy, not in any shape with a boot on his foot, still choke slammed that protester that ran up on him? Uh, yeah, which was on. I asked him yesterday. I'm, I'm filling in for Paul Feinbaum uh, this week on the Feinbaum show, and he just happened to be a guest that was already booked. So I was like, well, this is synergy. So I asked because, uh, honestly, all like in the moment, I didn't see it. There were so many people crowded around me, and I was looking at a different eater to do a report on the way he was eating the dogs at the time. All I saw was somebody get thrown to the ground. I didn't know that they'd actually made it to Joey or that Joey had choke slammed him. We didn't know on the broadcast till afterwards. And, and, you know, then all of a sudden all of us were looking around saying, my God, but there's so much chaos. Didn't see it. So I asked him yesterday, you know, what, what kicked in? And he made a great analogy. He said, you know, there's food aggression with dogs. He said, when you're in the middle of that sort of thing, it's almost like an animal. Somebody elbows you and you just instant kicks in. He, he said he'd never dropped somebody like that before, but – immediately just wham <laughs> threw him down and i just realized at that point that joey chestnut's living in a different level of badassery <laughs> all right we asked people yesterday i can ask you can you do the 999 challenge nine beers nine dogs in nine innings oh man the nine beers would be the hardest part for me like the beers that have to be very cold and very cheap like cheap cold beer goes down easy Anything that's not cheap and cold takes a long time for me to get down. So that, that would be the nine dogs I could easily do. Like, I got in trouble. You guys, again, didn't ask for these stories. But I got in trouble in kindergarten at one point because my kindergarten teacher in Vegas was convinced that I was feeding the hot dogs to the, to the animals at the preschool. It was preschool. Thought that I was feeding, like, the snack hot dogs to the uh, animals that they had at the preschool place, like the dogs. And I kept saying I wasn't, so I kept getting in trouble for lying. So they eventually, like... They, they waited me out to, to catch me, and they watched me sit down and eat an entire pack of hot dogs raw. Like, I, I, can, I can house some food. So, you know, I feel good about the nine dogs. You know, that's the uh, – I, I mean, I eat a dozen double chocolate donuts every Sunday for the Raiders, like, and, and I have no problem with that. So I feel like the nine dogs I could, I could get down. The nine beers would take a little bit of space in the stomach. Can you uh, – maybe I don't want to know this, but can you tell us what exactly splashes on you in the splash zone? So um, there's there's two things that splash on you. Number one, uh, everybody has those big cups, and they all have water in those cups. But then some of them fill them with other things. So they put, like, those sprays that you can put, the, the liquids you can put in water to make it taste like lemonade or cherry or whatever. And then a lot of them um, will fill some of it with Sprite because they want to open up their esophagus while they eat. So they, they put the bun and the hot dog in that to try and wet it down so they can slam it faster. And that splashes everywhere. So it's this combination of soggy wet bun and hot dog. But then the ultimate thing that you don't want is what they kept calling on the broadcast, the reversal of fortune, which is just a polite way of saying oh. everything you ate oh. comes back up. And that's what was happening with the Vegas eater, who did, by the way, this was one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in my life. Oh. He, he put it all back in his hands, oh. then explained to the judges oh. that he was choking, oh. which means it wouldn't be a violation. 
as long as he re-eats it all. So, like, okay. he re-ate the eaten <laughs> hot dog, uh, you know, while he was wearing a Vegas Golden Knights hat, though. So, like, he was oh. repping the city. I, I, uh, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. It, I, it was right in front of me, and I thought, man, he's going to go on me. And if he pukes all over me, we're going to have one of those family guy moments where it's going to start chain reaction because I'm going to lose it, then everybody around me is going to re- lose it. We're suddenly going to have this, like, Peter Griffin moment that's going to go viral. Oh. Uh, Would you have been in a throw-up covered shirt interviewing Joey Chestnut afterwards? Anyway, I didn't have another. I didn't have another polo. I mean, what am I going to do at that point? Yeah, I'm certainly not going to go topless with Joey. That's even weirder. So yeah, I, I just had to would have had to wear the dog with me. So you know, I'd be the hot dog next to the hot dog eating champion. Oh, I don't even know how you follow that, but I'll try. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, have you? I mean, you've talked to him a lot. Fifteen straight. Uh, and, and look, the, the, I think the popular question or theme is what's it really doing to their bodies? And I don't know if you know until you stop or you, you go, you know, it, it's over for you in your career of what it's done to your bodies. But uh, do you have any sense of how long he wants to do this? Yeah, he's, he's nowhere near done. And there's a couple of things like, A, he genuinely loves the, the, the showmanship of it, loves the crowds, loves being a part of it. Uh, B makes a really nice living doing it, which is obviously part of it too. But uh, there, there's a—I've never seen somebody that just won as disappointed as Joey Chestnut was after that contest. And you know, I don't—I don't know if it made it on the broadcast or not. But he took the mic from George Shea at one point, the MC, and apologized to the crowd for not getting a better number. And I talked to him a couple of times <laughs> after, and he apologized again. And he's like, "Man, everybody just was counting on me for something better." Like he is driven for world records every single time. So I, I don't think he's anywhere near done. You know, I the the challenge for Major League Eating is that somebody else is like this is going to be as as cheesy and dumb as this sounds coming out of my mouth. I know it. But this is going to be a Tiger Woods like situation if they don't get somebody else to step up and challenge him. Like the the sport was at its best when you had multiple eaters that were competing, but now he's putting up these numbers regularly in the 60s and 70s. If everybody else is in the 40s and 50s, at some point Joey Chestnut's not going to compete. And when that happens, man, I. I don't know what happens to Major League Eating because are people going to be as excited about a number that's 20 less than what we've seen? Right, I think he's, right. set, he's set the bar so high, yeah. they need him to keep going. All right, Jason, uh, maybe next time we'll ask you some college football questions because that world's on fire right now. But we're out of time. We spent too much time talking no, about the best. reversal of fortune on hot dogs. So I agree. It was much better. So I don't know Jason what's more disgusting, the hot dogs coming back up or the state of the Pac-12. So I'll take it either way. <laughs> You can hear him on filling in on the Paul Feinbaum show today. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Oh, man. Oh, man. When he started talking about the Las Vegas eater. Oh. oh the oh. splash zone. Mm. I can't. No. No. Let's go to break. Tell the judge. Don't worry. I can I can eat it again. Yeah, because I, I was choking. Right oh. Yeah. All right. We got tickets to give away if you want to go to the Summer League. A four-pack of tickets that you can win right now. For any day, your choice. NBA Summer League, four-pack of tickets, all 30 teams coming to Vegas, up to eight games per day at the Thomas and Mack Center starting tomorrow, July 7th, running through the 17th. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. Be caller number nine right now at 702-364-1100. That's 702-364-1100. You'll win a four-pack of tickets to the Summer League. To the Press Box Summer Edition. We've got more tickets to give away later in the show. Black Keys tickets coming up 
next hour. Thanks to Jason Fitz for joining us. Now, Ed, we got to go back to something that happened last week. And this is from uh, Adam Seldo on Twitter, who apparently posted this from the Toronto Maple Leafs website. So this season, or last season, I guess I should say, Austin Matthews scored a hat trick, and it was uh, his 60th goal of the season was also in that hat trick. Fans threw their hats on the ice, big celebration, hooray, hooray. The Maple Leafs apparently started auctioning off the hats that were thrown on the ice. Hats thrown by random fans were being auctioned off. The one that uh, Adam Seldo posted on his Twitter was just a random red Toronto Blue Jays hat for $150. I thought, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought on these situations that they saved the hats and you'd go get your hat back. I think the Golden, didn't the Golden Knights make like a little hat sculpture thing for William Carlson? The, uh, maybe I'm completely wrong, and when you throw your hat, you lose it for good. I thought that you got it back, but maybe not. Maybe, like you said, if they did that for Carlson and if these guys are, you know, auctioning them off, then you don't get it back. Uh, tweet us uh, uh, and let us know if, you, if, you, if you've thrown your hat on the on the ice, and uh, if you didn't get it back, or Texas at 69187. I'm pretty sure you don't. I'm under the impression you throw the hat, the hat's gone. Hat's gone forever. You're not getting it back. Because can you, I mean, I would enjoy watching people going back to try to claim their hats after a game. That would That'd be, be actually pretty funny. But, like, who who is bidding $150 on some random person's <laughs> hat that got thrown on the ice? Well, are you, are you buying your hat back? Because I'm not. I mean, I guess. 150 I guess it better be a hell of a hat. Right. You can just go get uh, the same version of the hat for yeah, brand new. Yeah, for like 28 bucks. Than, right, for less than 150 bucks. But, like, who would be bidding on this? Like, oh, Steve in row 37 threw his I mean, hat on the ice. Like, it has nothing to do with actual Austin Matthews and the Maple Leafs. I mean, please tell me this 150 is going towards charity. <laughs> please tell uh, me the Toronto Maple Leafs aren't so hard up that they have to keep $150 from each person who wants a hat. So I don't know the answer to this, but somebody did ask Adam Seldo on Twitter who posted this, and he said, I can't find any mention of this going to charity. Oh, man. <laughs> How weak is that? If if it's one fifty and it's a really really good charity, eh, you might as well you know maybe you give money to other charities and you want your hat back, go buy your hat back. But if it's just going to the Maple Leafs, I'm not giving them one hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> they don't make enough money. It's amazing if they don't give that money talked, to charity. We already talked about the Steph Curry jersey selling for two hundred three thousand dollars. I, okay, at least you can be like, hey, Steph Curry wore this in game one of the NBA Finals. Can you imagine? Oh, I paid $150. Look at my hat <laughs> that I don't know that who I the already owner owned. was. Yeah, well, no, I don't know who the owner is. Somebody else threw it on the ice, and I just bought it. And you want someone else's hat that's been on oh, their head? That's nice. There's going to be a lice outbreak in Toronto oh. because of this. We're going to trace it back to the Maple Leafs. So just uh, just doing a quick search, I haven't found an overall answer, but uh, the Blues, whenever somebody, whenever one of their players scores a hat trick, they offer all the hats to the player who scored the hat trick. And if that player opts to not take them, the Blues donate the hats to the St. Patrick's Center where they're distributed to the homeless. Okay. 
Well, okay, that's fine. That that right there's a good thing to do. And like I said, if the 150 bucks was going towards a charity, I might actually actually consider paying it and getting my hat back or someone else's hat. But if you're just taking the money, and how do you, <laughs> how do you come up with 150 bucks? That's the other thing. Who came up with that number? I don't know. It's not. It yeah. It's a used hat for 150 dollars. Oh, incredible. And then uh, real quick, I also just found, uh, I haven't read the article yet, but a Las Vegas Sun article said that most teams give fans a week or two to reclaim the hats. Oh, and so then you, were, you any, were right. Ed. Any unclaimed hats usually usually get donated to local charities. Okay, How so you, you said that they did something for Carlson, like made like a mural of it, or what, what did they do? I thought so. I thought they put together the hats and, and made like a little art project to give to William Carlson because it was his, his first hat trick or something like that. Maybe it was the first hat trick in Golden Knights history or something like that. But yeah, I thought they did something special with it, but I guess you can go get your hats back. I mean, I would think that's the best course of action unless, like I said, you're, look, donating the homeless, great. Uh, 150 bucks each goes to charity, great. But if you're just going to take the money for yourself, I mean, that, how much, that's pathetic. How much do you have to like your hat to, like, drive to City National Arena to get your hat back? Am I paying for it? Uh, we'll say let, no. Let's just say, like, I don't have to pay for it, but they have all the hats, like, in a box. Yep. I drive over there. You would? You'd yeah, I would drive over there. I mean, if I okay. liked the hat, I would drive over there to try to find it. I actually think it'd be kind of funny to try to find it. You end up with somebody else's hat? Yeah. And you start the life outbreak I can't here. find mine, so I just take someone else's and hope they're not standing <laughs> behind me and then get the hell out of there as quickly as possible. There's a fight over the hats yes, at the exactly. hat box. <laughs> <laughs>